I don't know, for some reason, right then and there, I was hooked. Like, biology, that's what it is. I switched my degree um, and went for it. Um, I ended up getting a biochemistry undergrad degree. Um, And during that time, I totally thought I was going to go to med school. I was practicing the MCAT. I was studying for it. I had a bunch of buddies that that would get together and study for the MCAT. I had a a newborn baby, and I was about to take the MCAT. And so I had a full-time job in the lab. I was working as a lab tech. And I had to make the decision, like, is this going to be my life? And I didn't like it. I didn't like that. I barely saw her. Um, I was studying too much. I was working too hard. And that's what physicians do. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a PhD instead. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, thank you for tuning in to the Grad School Sucks podcast, where we believe that your life and career after grad school should rock. I'm your host, Matt Carlson, and today I'm talking with my new friend, Dr. Jessica Binder. Jessica is a multifaceted biomedical data scientist whose recent work was in using knowledge graft builds to aid in drug discovery efforts. Jessica joins the podcast to talk about her short career as a motorcycle stunt rider, what it's like to be a mother in grad school, and her diverse professional experiences as a scientist in both academic and industry settings. If you're interested in the biomedical sciences or simply want to know more about the differences between working in academia and industry, then this is an episode that you won't want to miss. I'm so excited to be able to share my conversation with Jessica with you today. Be sure to stick around to the very end of the episode to hear Jessica's responses to some bonus questions. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. Thank you, Jessica, for coming on the podcast. Um, It's great to have you. Before we get started into the usual questions, could you just give us a little overview of who you are professionally? Uh, hi, yes, I'm Jessica Binder. I graduated my with my PhD in 2019, May, um, in biomedical sciences, but it was more specialized in molecular neuroscience. So I did a lot of like um, gene expression in human neuron cells, um, a lot of cloning, um, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I switched to a different career in data science. So now I'm more of a computational biologist, um, huh. but I still, I'm more of a data science. So I, I, I do data architecture, engineering, um, and then do machine learning on the data. So, so that's kind of like a weird switch that I've come to, but. Wow, very cool. Okay. And uh, we're definitely gonna dig into all of that, but first let's go back to grad school. What drew you to grad school? Oh man. So I was, I used to be a motorcycle stunt rider. Um, I used to ride professionally, um, which most people think straight, uh, dirt bikes, right? Like doing the jumps and backflips and stuff. No, that's not what I did. I did, uh, it was like sport bikes. So like the big crotch rockets, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I would do wheelies, stoppies, acrobatics, um, jumping off like that and climbing back on with one hand kind of stuff like that. Like think evil Knievel, but without the the flying part. Yeah. I did that probably, uh, from 2004 to up to 2008. So about four to five years I did that. Um, and I dropped out, I was going for a college degree. I was going for mechanical engineering at first when I was 18. Um, and then I started wrecking my motorcycle frequently. Uh-huh. And would, I wouldn't be able to go to, 
to, to school. So I uh, had to drop out. And then I realized I was getting a lot of attention for it. And I said, how can I utilize this to my advantage and make money off of it? So I started getting sponsors and I actually started getting uh, shows and whatnot. And I was able to survive for about four years. Um, but then the market crashed, 2008, the housing market, and it affected me too. Um, I lost half my sponsors, oh. uh, half my shows got canceled. And it just made me realize, oh, crap, I have nothing to fall back on. So I went back to college in Cal State, um, Dominguez Hills, and I took a biology class because you have to take like a or a science or uh, something like that. And I was like, OK, biology. And there was this crazy professor that was describing what DNA was and pulled out like this old school telephone cord with the <laughs> like, this is your this is your DNA and like stretched it out across the entire like <laughs> I don't know stage or whatever it was he was presenting on and I was like I don't know for some reason right then and there I was huh. hooked like biology that's what it is I switched my degree um, and went for it um, I ended up getting a biochemistry undergrad degree. Um, and during that time, I totally thought I was going to go to med school. I was practicing the MCAT. I was studying for it. I had a bunch of buddies that were like, would get together and study for the MCAT. Um, and then I got pregnant <laughs> as, my, as an undergrad. Um, Here's some information. Oh, my phone, my watch wants to talk to me. All right. Um, yeah, so I had to make the decision. Um, I had a... a for a newborn baby, and I was about to take the MCAT. Um, I had two months before I was going to take it, and so I had a full-time job in the lab. I was working as a lab tech, and I had to make the decision: like, is this going to be my life? This baby, uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't like that I barely saw her. Um, I was studying too much. I was working too hard, and that's what the doctor, that's what physicians do. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a PhD instead. <laughs> 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 thinking, awesome. it was, thinking it was the easier route um and i'm more um i'm a little bit more hand, like i don't know technical than i am uh memorizing like latin terms and <laughs> anatomy yeah. and stuff so i thought maybe i'd be better off that way um so that's how i got into it is uh biochemistry switched from medical degree to a phd wow wow so what was your experience in your PhD program like? It was awful. It was like the worst. Um, I mean, the, so I don't know about other universities, but at uh, UNM, the, the structure is the first year you take a bunch of classes um, and you're, you have like a cohort um, that you're all together and you take these classes together. And then the next semester, you kind of branch off and you get specialized of like if you're going to go to neuroscience or cancer research or whatever, because it's like a big umbrella program. Um, the first year was, it was okay, but you still have to figure out like what your, um, who your mentors, your PI is going to be. So you have to do like rotations through different labs. You have to find your project, your mentor and who has funding and all that. That was so mm -hmm. stressful. I remember how like unbelievably scary. Cause like you're going to like stay with somebody for four or five, six years and you have to make sure that you're going to. They're going to treat you right, and if their interest is in the in your best interest, um, and then you have to do like all the talking of uh, their grad students, the current grad students, their postdocs. You have to talk and say like, "All right, are you happy? Like, what kind of career do you do, do their students get after they graduate? Yeah. Yeah. How supportive they are, and whatnot." Um, and I had found my project 
before I even started grad school, um, and it was with a very new professor. Um, so I pick, I chose the project over the professor, and that was my first mistake. <clears throat> when I did my rotation with him, I realized how uh, insane he was, um, uh, narcissistic, uh, demanding. Like, I for one example, I was because first year you have to do your classes, right? You, so I was I was doing a cloning. I was incubating a PCR machine, and I had like an hour because it runs like for an hour. And I remember I had to study for uh, an. An exam that's going to be coming up. Uh, so I literally got the PCR running and I started studying. And he comes in the lab and he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm studying." He's like, "No, you don't. You can't. No, you don't. You study on your free time. This is this is work time. This is lab work time." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Full stop. This isn't going to work." <laughs> uh, and so luckily. I was able to find another a mentor that was on that. Is a he was a collaborator of that project, and luckily he had funding and he was able to take me on. But I still had to work with that other professor because um, he was the collaborator of the project. But yeah, so that was that kind of paints a picture of this this just starting pressure of of grad school. <laughs> oh, which was that? Yeah, and oh man, I have another story of another rotation I did. <laughs> Yeah, grad Can school sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it really does. <laughs> so, like I said, you have to do three rotations. Um, I ended up doing four, and the reason for that is um, I wasn't sure about, even though I was able to get uh, my PhD mentor to take me in, I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue because I knew I was going to have to collaborate with the other guy. Um, and be heavily involved with them still. And so I, I tried to do one more rotation with a uh, more senior um, professor um, in her lab, but the pro her projects were just so boring to me. Uh, but anyways, I so I did the rotation. And again, I like there you have to study and do homework from the classwork. Um, and you have to really manage time management is like insane in the first year. Um, I don't know why, but these professors, they just don't understand that you have to do lab work as and then, you know, experiments as well as study and be reading and all this stuff. But um, anyways, there she was fine. She was great. She was supportive. Um, and then for some reason, I made the agreement that I was going to present my work that I've done. It was like a month worth of work or experiments. And then I was going to present for her lab because it was like lab meeting. Um, and she says, after spring break, you'll present. I said, okay, cool. Um, and then she meant that the next day, like Monday morning is what she referred uh, to. I didn't realize, I thought she was just going to tell me like the next week, like, okay, now you can present on whatever day. But she literally meant <laughs> that Monday of after spring break. And I get a phone call. I'm in bed. I'm sleeping. <laughs> and I get a phone call. Where are you? And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and for some reason that like just royally pissed her off. And she's like, you don't get credit for my rotation. How dare you disrespect me and like wrote me a bad review. And like, oh my God, it was insane. I had to go talk to the director of the bio, uh, biomedical sciences graduate program and explain my situation. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> like, I'm like this 
I'm a hard worker. Like I never like wanted to like be a slacker. Like I like, and then she's telling everybody that. <laughs> so I had to defend myself. But luckily, luckily the director was cool and he understood. Like because he knows who she was and and he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just go with this other guy and you'll be fine. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> but like it's just that stressful year of picking who your mentor is is like. And then at the end of that, you do your qualifying exam. Like, holy moly, that first year is insane. I do not want to relive that and for my worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was so strange that in academia, it's like this super dense collection of really type A, but not like healthy type A people. Um and I don't know what it is about academia, and I don't know if there are like other industries or maybe just like business or I don't know, but it it seems like you find a lot of very interesting people like that. I think yeah, because there I there's a few professors that were new, and I I mean I was at UNM for twelve years, um, and I watched the new professors turn in to those people. Yeah, it's I think it's the system. I think it's the grants mm-hmm. that stress and the. the hierarchy of the politics that take over yeah i think it's just yeah. disgusting <laughs> full of <laughs> and i don't know and, and people want to change it like i feel millennials and like the next generation this gen z or whatever i think they're trying to change it but it's they're having a hard time pushing the old people out <laughs> yeah but yeah so th- during this whole time when you were doing your PhD, what did you envision that your career or life afterwards was going to be like? Did you have like a certain, did you want to be a professor? Did you want to go to industry? Yeah, I always wanted to go to industry. Um, I yeah. actually wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to start my own business. Um, I still might, but that's after I've gotten a few tastes of it, I'm a little scared of it. But um, yeah, no, I always wanted to be a businesswoman. I wanted to be... Hmm. Back in, I want to be in the industry, have a company, and just thrive that way. I didn't know if I wanted to work for um, like big pharma or big companies or like startups at that point in during grad school. I, I mean, I know now, but during grad school, I didn't. I just knew I wanted to be out of UNM. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you have any other noteworthy experiences uh, through your PhD program? Um, I mean, the mentor that I ended up with was very hands-off, um, to the point where I basically taught myself everything and anything about my PhD. Um, it was all up to me. If I wanted to learn something, I had to learn it myself. Um, he was never there. (laughs) For example, my comprehensive exam, um, he had to step out 30 minutes early and go to, uh, impromptu super important faculty meeting <laughs> and he wasn't even there for the committee meeting the, the after like the discussion when they like to ask you questions and they you know oh, yeah. what you don't know and when they do the the oral exam or whatever and yeah it was so disrespectful and I was like dude really and I remember it was so anticlimactic too because you're so stressed out like when you're you're gonna present your work this is the first time that you're presenting your it's like a practice thesis you know, and, and then you, I, I did it. And like, he wasn't even there. <laughs> he wasn't even there to help, like support me or anything. And I'm like, Oh man, this is a lonely, lonely road. <laughs> um, yeah. but- and, and 
it prepared me for my dissertation though i'll be honest it made me like so much more relaxed on my dissertation because i didn't care <laughs> i didn't like <laughs> but yes it was it's you're very vulnerable uh during grad school you're very like imposter like you don't know if you're doing things right especially if you have a very hands-off professor you don't know if you're succeeding or if you're failing like you have no clue and the only way it's like the best advice i can give though is surround yourself with your cohort or other lab mates oh. or other grad students so you can discuss these problems and don't i would not compare yourself from their project where there's your project but the experiences and what you're what your end goal is, like what you're going to aim for your career. That's the, the, the discussions that you got, like that needs to happen. Otherwise you're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel like you're not succeeding. And yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't have been able to make it if I didn't have my, my buddies, like my drinking buddies, my, my lab mates. Like I wouldn't, I would have never survived if I didn't have those guys. Yeah. That's awesome. What what else helped you get through? Because I, I feel like I'm envisioning, you know, you have your, do you say you had a daughter? Yeah, I, so right before my comprehensive exam, um, I got pregnant again with my son. So I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old oh. daughter and a six-year-old son. But uh, my daughter was two when I started grad program. And then um, she was five when I had my son. Um, and yeah, it's another experience is I was pregnant during grad school. Um, I probably did some lab work that I probably shouldn't have while pregnant <laughs> with oh. my professors. They didn't care. Um, and I remember specifically the maternity leave because they've never experienced before in the department for some reason. As a grad student, I was like one of the first to be pregnant in the in the grad program. Um, and they didn't know what the maternity leave would be like. They had no clue. So they're like, five weeks I was like and I didn't know either and I'm like uh okay because I I even though I had my daughter and I knew what how long it took me to like get comfortable which is around six weeks but I felt this pressure that they told me five weeks to come back and I did that and I regret that more than any like why did I do that because it didn't help it didn't it didn't fast forward my project it didn't uh speed up the results it didn't I I spent a year after I gave birth and came back, like I spent a year just troubleshooting and failing experiments. And so like, it was not worth it. And I don't know why I, so yes, if, if, if anybody's out there that's pregnant and gives birth, like, please take the, like the full two months. <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah. I miss, I missed a lot of my son's, uh, you know, infant years, or sorry, months because I, chose my PhD over yeah and that was so not worth it so yeah. not worth it yeah. I, should, I should have taken like a year off is what I should have done I, I obviously I'm a guy you know I can't you know speak of pregnancy from the first person but when I was a grad student there were a couple of my people in my cohort and then people either above me or below me in cohorts um who had kids and it was really odd that like not you could tell that some you, they had their cheerleaders of course like you typically they're their mentors but you could tell there were a handful of faculty that like really looked down on that and it was weird i don't know yeah 
It's very strange. Yeah, it didn't it surprise me too when I look back on it because both my the mentors, the collaborators or co-mentors, what, I don't know, like on paper I had one, but basically I had two mentors um, and they both had kids. And I was like, I look back on it now, I'm like, how did you guys like justify <laughs> like thinking that was an okay thing to, for the, to tell this like vulnerable grad student <laughs> come yeah. back in five weeks to finish <laughs> like what? And in a week before I gave birth, I submitted a grant. Uh, what is it? The F31 grant for NIH? Yeah. I, they made me submit that because it was in March. Was oh, the my two- gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. Was, yeah. But I did it. And now that I've done it, I feel like I can literally get through anything in life. That <laughs> yeah, you can do anything now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So you you survived the PhD, being a mother. And where where in your pro? How long did you take for your dissertation? Did you do a year, more or less? I did. So I started in two thousand thirteen and graduated two thousand nineteen. So six years. Okay. Um, and when when did you start working on your dissertation at that point? Oh, so um. I mean, I started like my comprehensive exam, you start, like that, like I had already had a project and it was like, I had my uh, specific aims, I had them all written out. And obviously throughout the years, you you get results, so you change, you know, if this didn't work out to what you wanted, obviously you have to change the storyline then. Um, but the the actual project was pretty like linear. It wasn't, I didn't have to go off track too, too much. Um, to get my final dissertation results. But, um, so I, I, I was writing since my comprehensive exam. So it was like three years worth of writing, but to get That's really awesome. serious though. Yeah. I, I literally didn't care. And I, I think I did it in a month. But like I said, I had little bits of like paragraphs here and there throughout the last three years. Yeah. So when did you start job hunting? A year before I graduated, because I thought I was going to graduate sooner than I actually did. Um, but that the only reason why it took me a year longer to graduate is because this one particular experiment just I couldn't get it to work until finally I did, um, and that was the beginning of 2019. But um, yeah, so in 2018, I was I, I started applying to lots of postdocs. Um, there's a national labs that are that's next to us in Albuquerque. There's actually two of them. There's Los Alamos National Labs, and then there's Sandia National Labs. Um, but the problem with them is that they're not too biology heavy. They're more like um, physical or sorry, physics and like engineering and computational stuff. Uh, so they do have a, a bioscience department, but it is very small, and their lab is very small. So in order to get a postdoc position in there, it's like, you have to be like cream of the crop. Like you have to be really, yeah. really, uh, and I, unfortunately I did get my way in. Ugh, here's another story. <laughs> I don't want to call like name names or I can't. Right. Um, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I had presented at a, gen- a genetic engineering conference, um, seminar or something. Um, I got invited to you and I got one best poster, best presentation award or whatever. And one of the, the hiring managers for the biosciences was there. And we actually, I sat down and I had lunch with him 
and networked and he was like pumped and he liked me. I liked him. Um, and they got, we exchanged information and, but he didn't have funding necessarily for me to be a postdoc quite yet, but he thought in order to get me started in the system, I could do like a graduate internship or something like that. Um, and I was super pumped because I was like my first like interview or like effort to get a job afterwards was already in the bag. Like I was like super pumped and it was at Sandia, which is a really, you know, they pay really well there. Um, and then I had one of the other postdoc positions I did apply for, I actually got a call back, but it was a different department in Sandia. Um, and I had heard some rumors that this guy was way better than the one that I had originally met. And so I was like, I'm going to do this interview and see, like, maybe I can get this person instead. And the other guy found out and for some reason just ghosted me. He just, he found oh. out that I, it's like, 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 he's like, I don't know. It was weird. Like he got jealous or I don't, I have no clue what happened, but I, I admitted to him. I said, Hey, I'm going to go do this interview with this guy. Um, cause I've had, I've heard good things about him. And he was like, Oh, okay. Well, are you still interested in the graduate intern? And I'm like, yeah, I just wanted this. I just wanted to, you know, see what this is all about. And he's like, okay, well, good luck. And then ghosted me in the room. <laughs> And then I didn't get the other postdoc because it was more uh, chemical engineering than it was bio. <laughs> so it's like, like, yeah, foot in my mouth. Yeah. They should and were these? Go ahead. Sorry, were these academic oriented postdocs or were these in industry? Yeah. So these were government labs. These are government national. Oh, I see. Okay. So it was, it's 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 like it's there's weird mix of like industry and academia. So they do kind of a kind of an academic structure. Um, they do oh. like you. Uh, publishing papers um but it is more of a government like a government lab setting but usually with with uh national labs if you do a postdoc usually you can transition into like uh, an actual staff um if you're like prove your worth yeah yeah but very yeah, cool because totally, everybody wants to go there because it's very secure like once you're in you're super like comfy like they don't fire yeah. people very often. So that's like the goal is because they pay really well. Benefits are awesome. And once you're in, you're in. And so I, everybody was just like so jealous of me because I was like bragging about it. And that was probably my first mistake. <laughs> and then I just like lost it. Like the rug just was pulled right under. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So then what happened next? Uh well, luckily, at that same time, there was a lot of new startups um, that were popping up in town, um, and I started applying, and they were, luckily, they were molecular biology labs, which is what I was pretty good at at the time, um, and so there was a new startup, uh, NTX, or stands for Nature's Toolbox, which is hilarious, whatever. Um <laughs> Uh, and so I, I got the job there. Um, so I was, uh, they, they gave me the title senior scientist because I was the first PhD that they hired. Um, and they did like synthetic biology. So they did like um, E. coli growth of whatever protein of interest and they isolate it. And um, we could do like the like transcription, translation components with E. coli, but with human proteins. Um, and then the post-translational stuff like that, but, um, they, they were, so it was a startup company and the goal was to do cell-free, 
So basically the idea is to produce all those proteins that are required for translation um, and then put it in a tube and have like this continuous like cycle of these proteins and amino acids and building these proteins so then we can have this very pure protein at the end. So it's kind of thinking of like um, liquid, uh, the fast LPC, whatever it's called, um, high throughput, all that stuff. But at the end point, it's like very filtered, very clean, very sterile. Um, but they never got it to happen because the bottleneck is DNA and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, COVID hit. Uh, this is beginning of 2020, right? Uh, then they shut down everything. They turn from the best place to work for to the worst place to work for. Because um, uh-huh. pressure came. Like, we got the VC Series A. We got funding, and I was totally part of it. I watched it go through. I... Um, we hired people uh, in interview, like I was doing some of the PR for them and it was amazing. Like the first part of it, like growing that to get the VC series A was amazing. Like it was the greatest experience ever. Like I felt like, cause I wanted to be a businesswoman, right? So I was like part of yeah. it, loving it, just loving it. Um, and being like professional and all this, <laughs> all this business talk. But anyways, um, and then when COVID hit, the pressure for some reason, like, got crazy got in so intense and it got so toxic so everybody was getting competitive the the bosses that were running the show were making us compete with each other because they were like can you get this done if you can't get this done then have this person get it done or like it's yeah it got really intense um but we since if you if you remember we were doing transcription translation stuff and when covid hit that the rna vaccines were a hit right we were able to do it um, but the problem, so we were actually producing it. And I, we actually got the um, the sequence from uh, BioNTech um, and we were trying to mass produce. We were trying to scale up and I was part of that. I was the lead of that project at the time. Um, and, but we just, we didn't have enough resources. We, we can't, we weren't going to be able to compete with Moderna um, in BioNTech. Uh, like there's no way we can, or Pfizer, sorry. Um, there, so, but we tried and I, and there was a part of us in the lab. We were like, should we take the vaccine? Like, should we like, <laughs> this uh. was before available, right? You know, like you, you saw those other, like uh, George or uh, I'm brain farting on his name. The guy that's the the top synthetic biologist guy, he like snorted some of his homemade RNA vaccine. So we were like thinking like, Hmm. <laughs> But anyways, anyways, uh, yeah, no, it got toxic to the point where three months later I quit because I couldn't handle it anymore. It was so insane. Um, and I took a postdoc back at UNM. Um, so I took a pay cut. Um, but the reason why is because I knew I wanted to do computational biology, but with synthetic biology, I wanted to mix the Mm. two. I wanted to be able to use bioinformatics to create or design or de-risk uh, protein engineering, like, uh, protein targets as, you know, biologics or like whatever, what have you. Um, and so in order for me to force that and push myself into that, that field, I took a postdoc in that field. And luckily the professor that, um, accepted me, he hadn't, he saw my work ethic in my PhD. And so he knew what kind of, uh, student or capabilities I had. Um, so it was good that I had networked and shined in my PhD. Um, 
because I was pretty loud, um, regardless that I had a mentor that was very hands-off. I <laughs> was very loud myself. Yeah. Everybody knew me. Um, but yeah, so he took me on and he gave me, literally he gave me two to three months of saying, all right, I know this is going to be a learning curve for you, a really steep one. So here, take three months and just force feed as much as you can. And I did. I took like uh, Coursera, Udemy, Datacamp, like all these computational like um, bioinformatics courses and just shoved myself, like just hammered it through like just three months straight. Um, and then I got good at it. I was starting to write. I wrote a bunch of papers. I wrote, um, got some collaborations with a lot of different projects. Um, started becoming a software engineer a little bit. Um, but what happened was I realized there's a huge disconnect from the biologist and the com uh, computer scientist. So they call themselves bioinformatics, but they're more usually computational scientists. They don't really have the biology like background. They don't they didn't go through a biochemistry degree or PhD or whatever. They they usually have just programming skills in like in the computer science world um, but they know some of the data sets that's about it and so when we came up with a um, uh, algorithm for predicting novel genes to be associated with a particular disease um, since I was in neuroscience before we did Alzheimer's disease and so we created this this algorithm and I they did they sorry the, the team before me did this and then I looked at it and I was like wait you're training this algorithm this machine learning program you're, you're training it with like god-awful genes like these targets don't make sense at all on a biological level so i came in and i realized where my niche was like oh you guys have no clue what you're doing yeah. <laughs> so that's that's where my career that's that's what i realized that's what i'm going to do um because there's this huge disconnect um and i can feel that gap because I can talk now, I can talk both languages, I can talk biology, but I also can talk um, Python, SQLs, whatever, data science, lingo, or coding, programming, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so now that I can do that, I'm kind of like this domain expertise within the data science field. Um, so uh, after the postdoc, uh, my mentor as my postdoc, tutor or prayer, I'm totally going to call him out because he's the best boss mentor. Uh, like I wish... He was my mentor as a PhD student too, but um, he decided to jump ship from academia um, and go to industry, um, and he took me with him. Huh. So we went to a company, Royvant Sciences, which is a drug discovery company. Um, pays really well, was amazing, uh, loved the work. Um, yeah, but they are, they're figuring out what kind of company they are, um, unfortunately. So, yeah, we were, we were called Translational Informatics Department. So, again, data science, uh, bioinformatics, chemoinformatics. Um, so, all computational. I wasn't in the lab. No one was in the lab. It's all remote. Um, we just we were building machine learning models for prediction of you know drug targets, drug similarity, uh, small molecules, blah blah blah. Um, we were we were just starting to kick off. We have a little team here that's remote from Boston because that's where they're based out of. And then we got the news uh, literally yesterday, and no one knew, like no one expected it. 
well he kind of had at least suspicion but yeah they it was awful um they sent a link for a zoom meeting oh. uh, <laughs> but so there was 40 people on the email list and it was my boss and a few other leaders that i was like oh well if they're on it then it, we're fine like no, it's nothing and then <laughs> bomb dropped <laughs> we're sorry to let you know but we have to reduce our uh staff by 30 percent and unfortunately if you're a part of this zoom meeting that means you're a part of that 30 <laughs> percent and we were like what <laughs> and is it because like your all's lab wasn't producing the results they hoped for or no like inflation in the economy the only thing that I could probably guess, and this is guessing, so, you know, assumptions, ass out of you and me, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think what happened is they got um, recently approved drug for psoriasis, um, and now they have to manufacture it. They have to produce it, so they don't, but they don't have anybody to produce it. So they cut costs on the computational, the AI side. Um, because it wasn't moving, uh, producing products or like something to sell, right? It wasn't making money yet, uh, profit-wise. And so they're, they, I think what they're gonna, what they did or why they did it is they're cutting out that part to then focus on the manufacturing production part, because they, you know, yeah, growing pains is what it is. And then eventually they'll be able to grow back and get the AI team back. But they did it in a very poor way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm still processing it. <laughs> I'm still trying yeah, to. Yeah, I bet. Because I had this was a not gonna lie, it was a very nice cushy job. I work home, um, really, really nice salary, really good benefits. Um, but I met. Uh, so my entire team was let off. Um, so we got together actually yesterday after the news. We got we met in person and we discussed like, all right. We have some networks, we have some investors maybe interested in creating a new company um, or we'll, we'll go pitch to other companies out there that would want a chemoinformatics team. And so, but I get, a, I get a nice severance package. So I have like two months hey. to figure out what I'm gonna do next. But I'm not, I'm not even like, despite what happened yesterday with, the, with my, the, the company I was working for, it was, it's not as bad as what my PhD or the first startup company that I went through like that misery <laughs> and like just upset is nowhere close to what, like, yeah. So I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to survive. I know I'm going to find another job. I know I'm going to be fine. So yeah. That's so grad school definitely thickens your skin. Like it makes you so tough if you survive. <laughs> it does for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a specific like job title uh or sector or industry that you're aiming for? Um I mean data scientist, biomedical data scientist. So if hmm. what I specialized in this last company and what my um tutor wants me to continue doing is graph databases. So if you think about like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like Neo4j or like smart graph, like all these different um, target graph, there's these different like softwares that help you build um, network. Think of like the hairballs of like, you know, you get nodes and then you have all these different connections and, and then you can actually create like machine learning models off of that. Um, so it's instead of like relational databases, like the old school um, SQL relational databases, it's 
already embedded. There's memory of relationships embedded in it. So then you can, you can uh, pull some insights that you would have never pulled from, like just out of your own head. So it, this like um, like uh, Netflix uses these graph databases for predicting what um, what your new favorite show is going to be. Or, you know, like or like Spotify, oh. like they do these your recommendations, right? So that's the same concept, but I'm doing it for uh, protein targets, so for drug discovery. So like if they have a small molecule, like hey, what can this what can this bind to, or what, what what's this ligand, um, and I can go and do some stuff, and then it'll pop up some predictions of like it might target this protein, it might target this protein. So that's what I do, and that's what I want to continue to doing because I'm getting pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> yeah. That is awesome. That is so cool. So, so looking back on, <clears throat> excuse me, looking back on your journey, feels like you you've done a lot of things, and you know the, the majority of the listeners are current grad students right now. Some of them are going to be in the physical sciences, like you. It's about half and half, half in the physical sciences, and then half in the humanities or social sciences. Um, what would you say to grad students right now who are thinking about their career? Maybe they know they want to go industry. Maybe they, they're not sure academia or industry. Um, what would you say to them about like how to find your way to a career path that you enjoy? I mean, I had to test all waters. I had to test like, so even during my postdoc, even though I came back and was, it was very, um, ego strike like I kind of like got really upset with myself that I had to like backtrack I felt like it anyways but I, I didn't I knew I was going to improve for a future career but I actually had a moment where I loved teaching I loved um teaching some classes and I had students and I there was I actually was um getting ready to do assistant professorship right before I uh, my tutor took me to industry so I was actually climbing that ladder um but the advice I'd give is don't be afraid to try things. I mean, it doesn't just because if you say like you don't know if you want to do industry or academia, like try both. Like it doesn't hurt. Um, and, and if you do get industry experience, it actually makes you look better on, on the academic um, uh, candidate list versus if you didn't, if you were just always in the university. Um, another thing, too, is. What I got hit with a lot with writing grants and even as a postdoc um, is that I did my undergrad, my grad school, and my postdoc all at the same university. And for wow. some freaking reason, they frown on that. So writing grants, like they were like, why didn't you go to like, because I have kids, like what, like I can't move, like why? <laughs> but the, so if, if, if you're able to do different, like go to different universities i would recommend it um but if you can't like it, it's still doable but you're gonna run into some problems with grant writing but um yeah i'd say like i i tell my kids my daughter that she's unsure about her career like if she wants to be a singer she wants to be <laughs> she wants to be a microbiologist no, <laughs> a marine biologist um but she i tell everybody just dip your toes in see if you like it if you don't doesn't matter you you have lots of time figure it out don't don't be pressured don't feel stressed and like force it yeah. um yeah there's always i i went back and forth and that's it's easy to do um 
right. Don't be scared of it is what I would say. Just try it. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say are the main differences in uh, between working in industry and working in academia? Um, the paste. Uh, so industry, fast paced, fast paced, fast paced. Your deadlines are always like weeks, not months. They're always like days or weeks. And um, I like that fast pace. I love being like on the treadmill. Like I love that for some reason. Um, in academia, it's very slow. Yeah. You take your time. Um, and then like you'll relax. You can work like you choose your hours, but then uh oh, grant time. And you work like twelve hours, like and then for like seven days. Um but the the salary is obviously way different. Um so I feel academia is a little bit more secure in your job, but it's also the pay sucks. Um, industry, the pay is way better, but like my prime example, I got laid off yesterday. Uh, it's not as secure. Um, with academia, there's still that politics though, that you have to prove yourself constantly. You have to write your grants. You have to constantly prove yourself over and over and over again. And that can get really exhausting. And that just beats your soul out of you, <laughs> um, with industry, it's there's a lot of laterally moving like you move laterally there's it's harder to climb the ladder um you have to be very very aggressive if you're going to climb the ladder um in industry and like outgoing and, and like not necessarily extroverted because i'm not extroverted but you have to be network you have to like you have to use your social skills and definitely if in industry um to climb the ladder that's for sure um but there's still that, that pressure of getting product out, being able to do, um, being able to make sales. Um, so it's, it's different. Like instead of getting that grant, you have to, you have to sell your product. And that's mm. the difference too. It's not, it depends though too. Like if you get in a, in a company that's just research and development, then you're just researching and you can have the chances of failing and experiment and testing or whatever. But um, some companies, they have to have a product and you have to figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, then you're, you're going to get fired, like literally. So there's that different pressure. Same, same pressure, but different goals, I guess. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Uh, so <clears throat> I could guess to a few things that I think you'll answer for this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think has contributed to your professional success in academia and industry, you know, all across the board. Um, I'm all I've I've always been a go getter. Um, I'm very spontaneous. I'm always energetic. Um, and I'm internally motivated. I'm self motivated. Um, so with my motorcycle career, that taught me my marketing skills. That taught me how to sell myself. Um, because I had to get sponsors. I had to get shows. Um, and I had to, so I basically had to do web designing. I had to do, you know, uh, self-advertisement. So in that front, that's, I was able to do that with grant writing. Like you have to, you have to pitch yourself. You have to sell yourself. Why should I give you money? Because of block X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then with industry, same thing. You have to sell yourself. You have to sell, um, you have to figure out who you are and how you network. And so the, the, this, I guess 
this energy that I bring, like this motivation, this, this fast paced treadmill is what has been able to keep me going. Um, cause if you're, if you're shy and you kind of want, like if your networks are made because of somebody else made those connections, you're, you're going to struggle a little bit to get a job. Um, so you have to really be, uh, <laughs> you don't have to be fake friendly. You just have to be like, <laughs> Hey, this is, I'm so-and-so. How are you? What do you do? Um, another key advice. Sorry. I know I want to put this out there. This is for getting yeah. a job. Literally find out who you're interview. You're going to interview with. Like if it's the CEO or if it's just a manager, product manager, get their names, Google the crap out of them, find out what publications they've done, what uh what research they're interested in what awards they've won anything that and make a connection make if you find out they're a marathon runner or something and you're like oh i run too use that and say oh i noticed that you run and they'll be like yes i do or if you if you brag about one of their publications they they love that crap. They love it and they eat it up. And they're like, I like you. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> and, and and if you have, like, if it's a company, like a small startup, uh, definitely do your due diligence and look up the company's history, who's ran it, who owns it, all the history. And so be on top of that and be able to ask questions uh, that make you, like, interested in the company that you just don't want a job with money like that's not your main you're very interested in actual the research and the goals of it and have those questions ready because that shows like okay they, they actually want to work here not just to be there for the money and I, every time i've done that i always got the i got the job or i got an offer yeah. or something like that but yeah it's awesome so what's next for you industry or academia Oh, I'm never going back to no. I'm never going back to acting. The only way I would do that is if I'm like wanting to retire and I just want to teach. But um, I think, I, I think there's rules like I don't know. I don't know Maybe if there's if you have to be like a professor or something in order to teach. But I think you can just be a teaching professor. But anyways, uh, <laughs> no, I'm totally gonna do industry from now on. I don't want to go back to university. No, it's not my jam. It's awesome. Yep, it's awesome. Well, is there anything that we didn't cover already that you wanted to cover in our conversation mm. today? Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, grad school's rough. Like I said, it's just find, find buddies to help you survive <laughs> um, and commiserate. <laughs> um, it's... it's is it worth the PhD? It depends on what you want to do for your career. Um, if you want to be able to climb the ladder, you definitely need a PhD. Um, cause PhD is like the new bachelor's like, right. So if you get a PhD, it's like chop, it like doesn't mean anything anymore, but it, you have to have it in order to be like a man at like a CFO or CSO or whatever. Like you have to like, <laughs> um, and to be taken serious. So for example, in the industry of startup, I had a lot of techs that were just bachelors, um, and the PhDs treated them like bachelors. They didn't treat them equivalent, even though they were just smart, they were just as work ethics and everything. But yeah, so just keep at it. It's the PhD is rough. Um, and it will feel like 
you got it for no reason. It's like, I've gone through those moments where I feel like, what did I do? Like I wasted 10 years of my life all for nothing, but um, just breathe. <laughs> Time will heal and you, it will find your way. And, and honestly, sometimes you might even get the PhD and then find out you want to be a science high school teacher. And it's, you know, you never know. You never know what will. It's, it's not a waste of time. <laughs> but yes, yeah. grad school does suck. <laughs> it does it does? So <clears throat> before I ask the last question, uh, if people want to get in contact with you or follow along in your journey, how would you suggest people do that? Um, I only really broadcast on LinkedIn, but uh, I wanted to start back on Twitter, but. I don't know with the whole Twitter thing with Elon Musk. Like, I don't know if I want to support it. <laughs> so right now, yeah, just LinkedIn is where I'm, I'm usually talk about science stuff. Okay. And uh, you're just under Jessica Binder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, well, I will put a link to that in the show description so that if people want to follow your message. You, they can just click on it and go to your profile. So last question for you. What is one thing that every grad student should do before they graduate to pre prepare for their future career? Um, I would practice interviews. I, I would even, if you're not even ready or available to get a job or a postdoc, I would still apply and pretend that you're going to graduate soon or whatever. Just even though I know it's kind of crappy wasting other people's time uh, that interview process, but to practice the interview process it is essential because right. I bombed many interviews and I had to learn what not to do um, in order. So practicing interviewing is, I think, would be essential. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Jessica. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Folks, thanks for tuning into the Grad School Sucks podcast. I hope you got a lot out of my interview with Jessica today. It was awesome to hear about the various turns in her career that she has had and how she has set up a bright future for herself by continuing to learn new skills. Be sure to check out the description of today's episode for a link to Jessica's LinkedIn page. If you did end up enjoying today's podcast episode, please consider leaving a review on your podcast app. It really does mean a lot to me as a content creator when folks take the time to leave a review for the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Carlson, and I look forward to bringing you another great episode next week. As promised, here are Jessica's responses to the bonus questions. See y'all next time. The first warm-up question is, what is your spirit animal? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> um, I would say dolphin because I love the ocean um, and free, <laughs> being able to go as far and deep as whatever, as far as long as you can go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this... We might already have the answer for this next one, but if you could travel instantaneously te teleport to any place, anytime you wanted to, and of course you could come back at any time whenever you wanted, what place would you go to? Well, hilariously, yeah, I would say San Diego because that's where I love and I want to move there. But 
I haven't been to really any anywhere like tropical islands or anything like that. I've been to uh, Bermuda and I've been to, oh. um, that was really pretty, but I didn't really experience it to the extent that I should have. And But yeah, so I would want to go to any tropical island. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's not a tropical island, but I went like a decade, over a decade ago. I was in Costa Rica for a couple months for a study abroad, and it was amazing. I bet. Um, yeah. But yeah, I bet a tropical island would be pretty awesome. Okay, uh, last question, last warm up question. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, what would you say your superpower is? <laughs> like real life superpower? Um, I just found out that my son is severely dyslexic, which means hmm. I am. Hmm. Um, and it's very highly genetic. Uh, uh, oh. Yes. So that kind of awakening made me realize that my creativity, my my thinking outside the box definitely comes from there. So I would say I'm. that's what I'm telling my son anyways, too. <laughs> so yeah. we have a superpower. That's awesome. <laughs> that that's we can see cool. things that others cannot. <laughs> 